Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. thankful for God's Word and the comfort that it brings, the help that it brings to us and in our lives. And as we open our Bibles to the book of Job, go to the 42nd chapter, the last chapter of the book of Job. And I think many people know this um, book quite well, especially the first couple chapters and the last uh, chapter or so. And, you know, I find that it's really interesting how many people, when going through troubles and trials and storms, uh, go to the book of Job and, and they find comfort from it. Um, I, I believe or hopefully that the reason is, is that we see in the book of Job you know, God's power and His power to, li- to deliver and His love and compassion toward us. Uh, but just on the practical sense, reading the book of Job, we, we, <laughs> we recognize that no matter what we're going through, it's not as bad as what Job went through. I, you know, <laughs> he had it a whole lot worse than what we have faced. And... So we're going to be in the last chapter of the book of Job, but I think it's worthwhile to get the context of the book and kind of catch us up to, to speed in it. It's that Job is a man that is a God-fearing man. And he, he, uh, he loves God, seeks after God, and, and interestingly, there's a discussion between God and Satan, the devil, and, and Satan believes that the only reason why God, uh, uh, Job loves God, fears God, follows God, is because of how God has blessed him. And how God has put a, a, what the devil calls a hedge of protection around him. And God knows different. God knows Job's heart. God knows that Job fears him and loves him, not because of all the blessings that he gave him, but uh, God willing to allow Satan to prove him uh, uh, Satan goes in, and we know it was Satan that does this. He, he takes his children. He takes his wealth. And he eventually afflicts his health. And it's, what Job goes through in those first uh, chapters of Job is just overwhelming what an individual would have to face and would have to go through. There's just no words that could describe the despair that Job must have faced. As Satan went in and destroyed and 
hurt him. And what is interesting is at the end of these chapters, the Bible says that Job worshipped. And he did not sin. He did not charge God foolishly. He did not use his mouth and accuse God wrongfully. And then we kind of looked at this in a Bible study this last week of uh, Job's friends show up. And they come with the sole purpose, the Bible even says this, to comfort Job. He has three friends that come in and they come to comfort Job. But they get into a discussion, the four of them together, and as the discussion goes on, it turns into a dispute. It turns into an argument. It turns into a fight. And, and ultimately, you know, his friends are saying, Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad, they're saying, you know, Job, you're a hypocrite. Job, you've got must be a liar because all these bad things happening must be because of some secret sin in your life. And they begin to accuse their friend and begin to uh, accuse him wrongfully. And, and the more that they talked, the more that they argued, the more entrenched that they got in their side. And so their egos got involved. Uh, no longer were they humbly trying to help Job. Now they're uh, pridefully accusing Job. And that put Job on this side of the, of the aisle saying, I have to justify myself because my friends who are coming to comfort me are now accusing me. And so here he is uh, uh, justifying himself. And, and the more that they accused, the more strongly he entrenched himself in his position. And ultimately, and what we studied last week was uh, there was some spiritual things going on behind the scenes. Some spiritual things. Satan was attacking and he was getting some friends to argue each other about things that they did not know what they were talking about. And they never did accuse the right person of who was doing the wrong. And that was Satan. And here they are there. They're arguing, and, and Job, he becomes self-righteous. Now, what's interesting is Satan's attack, the full frontal attack, didn't get Job with how he attacked him, but using his friends, coming in with the wrong spirit, ultimately got Job in a little bit of trouble. Because Job had to defend himself, so he's saying, hey, I didn't do anything wrong to deserve what I'm going through. Matter of fact, I didn't do anything wrong at all. Like he starts to say, I'm pretty good. Matter of fact, I'm a really good guy. And Job, the more that his friends accused him, the more that he began to tell himself of how good he was and all the good things that he'd done. And he became self-righteous. What's interesting about the book of Job is out of 42 chapters, uh, over 30 of them are these friends arguing getting into an arguing match about things that they didn't know what they were talking about, unfortunately. And the further they went with their, their arguments, the further in trouble, I believe, that they, they got. And ultimately, it was Satan behind the scenes doing all these things. And they fell for what we find out in the New Testament. The Bible tells us, Hey, put on the whole armor of God. Why put on the whole armor of God? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The fight's not between each other. We always fall for that one, don't we? 
The, the fight's not between each other. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That's why he tells us in Galatians 1, 6, he says, hey, if someone's over, overtaken in a fault, hey, we want to help them. We want to restore such a one. But we want to do it in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. In other words, if we are trying to uh, talk to each other, get into something, try to help a friend or get into this discussion with a friend and we don't do it with a spirit of meekness, we ourselves could fall into a trap. It's important that we go about these things in a humble way. And that's the back story. The end is good. That's why I think we like Job too. <laughs> it's because ultimately it is a happily ever after story. And we like that. And the end is good. And Job's captivity is turned. And he is blessed. It's like the sun that comes up in the morning after a really dark night. That's just how it happened. It was just like all of a sudden it was over. And, and the sun began to shine again. And the birds began to... Have you ever been there where you thought, oh, this is terrible, this is bad, this is dark. And I don't know that the sun's ever going to shine again in my life. I don't know that the birds are ever going to... I don't know that I'll ever hear that music again. I don't know that I'll ever have that joy again. Can I tell you this morning? I think you can. I think that this may be just the eye of the storm. But he's still in control. God can deliver you. And he can turn these things around quite quickly. I want to just point out two things this morning. Uh, when Job's heart changed, that's when his captivity turned. It's when Job's heart changed. And I want to point out two things that Job saw that changed everything in his life when his captivity changed. You're in Job chapter uh, 42. Let's, let's get into the scripture here in verse 1. Job 42 in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Job answered the Lord and said... Now this is after Job became so self-righteous and God spoke to Job and begins to ask Job some pretty simple questions but kind of put things in perspective like, where were you when I measured out the earth or told the sea where to stop? Or where were you when I created the angels and when I told, you know, and he began to ask them these questions. And, that, and then that kind of put things into perspective for Job, the self-righteous one. And after God begins to speak to Job and after he hears God's word, Job says this, verse 2, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me that I, I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare unto me, thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Job said, I, I used to, I, I've heard of you, Lord. I, I thought I knew you. Verse 5, but now mine eyes seeth thee. Verse 6, wherefore, here's the humility, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's Job's humble way of saying, me and my friends, boy, we thought, you know, when we, we, we thought we had, we thought we had it figured out. And when we didn't know what we were talking about, we talked about it with a lot of confidence. But now we recognize that uh, we didn't know what we were talking about. And now I abhor myself. I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated, Job says, in your presence, God. And I repent. In the next couple of verses, the Bible tells us that 
God begins to talk to his friends and says, hey, you guys were wrong and, 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 and there's going to be judgment because of that. You guys accused Job wrongly in, in verse 10. Here's what I want us to look at. Verse 10 of Job 42. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You know what I recognize in our world today, in our culture today, is there's a lot of folks that are in captivity. Although we live in freedom and thank God for our freedom, there are still a lot of folks that in their mind, in their heart, in our lives, we live with some captivity. And, and the first thing that helped Job with getting his captivity turned was that he saw God. He saw God. He said, I heard of God. I thought I knew God. But now through the eye of faith, I have seen him. Now I know him in a deeper way, in a different way. When he said, when I begin to see you, God, as the creator, as, as the life giver, as uh, the eternal God with all power and all wisdom and, and, and that you're all present. When I begin to see you in the scope uh, of who you truly are, boy, that really began to put things into perspective for me of who I am. Can I say this for all of us, and it's the same about Job, as Job focused on himself, defending himself against his friends? We will not get deliverance focusing on ourselves. It's got to be to God, looking to Him, our Savior, and our Deliverer, and our God. If we need deliverance, the place to go is to the Deliverer, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Deliverance from sin for salvation. I believe that, I believe that because of sin that we are in need of salvation. I believe that the Gospel is the good news. The good news to be able to deliver us from eternal death, from sin, from destruction, and to be able to save us and deliver us, to remove us from the captivity of sin. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I gotta say that no matter how much that we focus on ourselves, self-righteous, how much good that we do, that won't bring salvation. The salvation must come by Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, the Bible says, cometh unto the Father but by me, but by Jesus Christ. He's the door. He's the way. He is the resurrection and the life. And for us to find the true salvation, for us to find true uh, new life in Christ, to be born again, to be saved, delivered, we must turn to God. We must come to Him. We must believe that He is who He says that He is. Who does He say that He is? Where would we find that out? His Word. You know what changed? When Job heard God's words, when Job heard Him and saw Him with the eye of faith, his heart began to change. We must see God. This is salvation. Can I say, if you're here this morning and you've not received Christ as your Lord and Savior, come to Him. It's that simple. Come. That's what Christ said in Matthew. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will 
give you rest? Would you come to Christ? Not come to ourself. Try to justify ourselves, or to be good enough. Or to win the argument with someone else in some sort of religious debate. It won't get us very far. But come to Christ and come to Him. He can save. Not only can He save, He will. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I find it interesting. One of the statements Job makes in this book, he says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. Do you know that your Redeemer liveth? The one that would redeem you, buy you back, and save you from your sins. The result of God's word in Job's life, he humbled himself. I believe that we must come to God humbly. I believe that God, the Bible says, giveth grace to the humble. My goodness, I am well aware of the grace I am in need of. I'm in need of God's grace. And I'm thankful for the promise that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I'm thankful that it was much more that His grace abounded than my sin. I'm thankful for His grace, but we must come humbly. The effect of God's Word on Job was it changed Job. God doesn't change. We must change. And it was Job that began to change when he saw himself for who he was. No longer did he try to justify himself before God. I mean, Job was a good guy. I mean, Job was a good guy. But in front of God, he said, I abhor myself in dust and ashes. He says in verse 2 of what we just read, he says, God, you can do anything. God, there's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing uh, that you can't do. And he says, I abhor myself and repent. Boy, that word repent. To turn from what we're trusting in, to repent of our sins, to turn from whatever it is that we believe in or trust in, and to turn to God. That, that word repent sounds a little hard, but I'm, I'm here to say that it's a good thing. That's a blessing. The repentance that, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that is great news. It was the old time preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, that said this, the door of repentance leads to the hall of joy. And I believe that that's true, that when we'll humble ourselves and repent before God, that it's then that God can cleanse us. And oh, what a clearing it is to be clean and right with God, to be made right, and to be in a right standing with God. Oh, what a joy that that is. And it's not brought about by our good works, but by His grace. And by His forgiveness. I would say to those today that don't know Christ as Savior. Today's the day. Come to Him. Accept Him. Receive Jesus Christ today for your salvation. You may be a good person. You may be a great person. But it's not about our goodness. It's about His salvation for our sins. Would you today come humbly and receive Christ as Savior and see God for who He truly was. You know what I find that's interesting? And this is the second point. Is that when Job got the right perspective of God, it changed his relationship with his friends. I believe that our faith and our relationship with God should change our relationship with others. It should change how we treat, how we look, how we think, how we forgive yes. others. 
It should. His relationship with his friends was restored when he saw God for who he truly was. I think that's so interesting that the Bible says that when he prayed, verse 10, when he prayed, the Lord turned the captivity of Job. When he prayed for his friends. Can I say this about our problems? That because of the life that we, in the world that we live in, there's sin, there's, there's trouble. We have problems. People have problems. Is that fair to say? People have problems? Can I say that we cannot get help from our problems by focusing on our problems? It's when we focus on the Lord. It's so hard. That's actually against our nature. When we have trouble, you know what we usually do? We focus on the trouble. When we have problems, we focus on the problems. But you know what Job had to do over time? He was a really good person, but he had to die to self. He had to die to his own uh, self-focus, uh, if you will. And I think in our culture today, and, and it's, I'm not... I'm not being hard on our culture. I'm sure that the, I think it was, a, it was the same issue in Job's time. That people have, we, we focus on ourselves. I'm, I'm not being mean. But I think our culture at times we can be a little bit selfish. Like a lot of selfies and self-esteem. And look at me and I'm doing great and I'm wonderful. You know, that's an arrogant side of it. There's an arrogant side. Nobody, even arrogant people don't like arrogant people. Proud people don't like proud people. I mean, no, this is, that's a weird thing. A proud individual doesn't like another proud individual. I mean, it's just something that we all kind of are against, but we all kind of struggle with. And so there's a side of arrogance of, hey, look at me. I'm doing great. I'm wonderful. I'm good. That's selfish. But can I tell you something that we don't focus on a lot? There's another side of selfish. That's just as dangerous. And that's, oh, poor me. I'm sick. I, Job just lost 10 children. I, I just lost all my wealth. I just went bankrupt. And he could have just focused on himself and his problem. And hey, woe is me. And I'm so sorry, and I'm so sad, and I'm so, I, my mind is, 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 you know, in our culture, you know, the depression and anxiety and stress. Uh, I don't think it's good to focus on it, on yourself. Find a way in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God to get over it. Find strength in your mind. Get a sound mind through God's Word. Hey, my goodness, we talk about it too much. We'll depress ourselves more. We'll depress those around us. It is, it is selfish to focus on our problems. I know that sounds hard, but this is a way to relieve our captivity. This is a way to get over it, to get past it, to get through it. You know what I find is interesting? Is this is the opposite way that we think in current Christian culture. You know what we think? Job just lost 10 children. He just lost all his wealth. He's bankrupt. And now he's sick, boils head to toe. We need to have a prayer meeting for him. All the, the folks that are doing fairly well need to be praying for him. You know what God says? No, Job, you need to be praying for them. 
It wasn't the people. His friends were fairly fine. I mean, other than that they had opened their mouth and got themselves in trouble with the Lord. They hadn't lost their wealth. They hadn't lost their children. They hadn't lost their health. And God said, I want Job, you to pray for them. This is a little switch side to it. It's like, oh, people aren't praying for me. People aren't doing Are you praying for them? I'm not trying to be hard, but hey, don't focus on yourself. Your problems and woe is me and I'm troubled. We're never going to get help that way. It may be hard. It may be terrible. But don't focus on it. Focus on praying for others and being a blessing to others and helping others. This is when Job found his help and his strength. When he prayed. You know, Job says some amazing things in this book. I mean, when you read it, like when he lost everything. If you go back to Job chapter 1. When he lost everything. The Bible says that Job arose, ran his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down on the ground and worshipped. And this is what he said. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now that is powerful words. I mean, that is, when you see what he just went through, for him to be able to say that, that is powerful words. But can I tell you, when he said those words, that's not when God turned his captivity. I'm trying to get us a little understanding of how maybe God thinks that maybe our relationship with each other is much more important than what we think in God's eyes. My goodness, those are powerful words. The next chapter, Job says this, uh, Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all of this did not Job sin with his lips. It wasn't then. What a powerful statement. But it wasn't then that God turned his captivity. Later in the book, he says, Though he slay me, talking about God, Though he slay me, I will trust him. What a powerful statement. But that's still not when his captivity was turned. When was it turned? It was when Job died to self. And said, my friends did me wrong. They accused me. They were miserable comforters. They, were, they hurt my feelings. When I was in the most need of my life, they stabbed me in the back. And I want to pray for them. That God will have mercy on them. And that God will help them. And God will bless them. That's when God turned his captivity. It was in that thing. He prayed for his friends who had misjudged him. Who, You know what he did? He stopped fighting. The debate was over when he saw God. <laughs> he felt so embarrassed of his little arguments with his friends. He, he felt like this was insignificant. And he began to pray for them. When we get, begin to focus on God and see him for who he is, we can bless those that curse us. We can pray for those that despitefully Use us, as the Bible says. This is like Abraham, who was a man of faith, who went to God as an intercessor to pray for Lot, who had done him wrong. And he went to pray for Lot that God would help him. I, I think of folks in the Bible like Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. I mean, clearly, his. When we go back to the why we don't forgive and why we hold a grudge and why we're bitter with others. Do you know why many times? is because they purposely did us wrong. They really did. But in the case of like Joseph, his brothers purposely did him wrong. But it was when Joseph saw God for who God was 
that it changed his attitude toward his brothers. And he said this, when, when Joseph had risen to the second most powerful man in the world and he had the power to avenge himself, he said to his brothers who were afraid for their life, he said, am I in the place of God? In other words, God has a different plan. And I'm not God, I'm just Joseph. <laughs> and he said, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much life. I believe that this is where the Lord would try to bring each believer and each Christian to in their Christian life is to see God over our, our, our faults and our friends and family members and folks around us to where we would fight or debate or argue where we could be able to say, hey, God's bigger than this. And, and have the heart like Christ who said, what do you say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What an amazing prayer. That's what Job prayed. And when he said, hey, I'm going to pray for my friends. I'm going to pray for those who despitefully use me, who wrongly accuse me. Can I say this? And I know we know this, but unforgiveness and bitterness only hurts us. Let it go. Let it go. I think that this is a f unforgiveness and bitterness is a form of selfishness. You know why? Because we're holding on to a debt that somebody else owes us, we think in our mind. We're holding on to something that they've done us wrong in some way, and, and we're holding on to it. But listen, when we see God for who He is and how He will so graciously and kindly forgive us, Job. You know what I find is interesting? Is when Job prayed for his friends, he was still in trouble. Can you picture that? I mean, have you, do you, when you read down through this, can you picture a, a person that was so broken? You go down through and he says people that, 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 were, uh, that would mock him and laugh at him. All these folks of how bad he looked and how bad he, off he was. He would sit there with boils and, and dust and ashes and lost all his children and lost all his wealth. And he had nothing. And there he is in that state praying for his friends. And the Bible says that. God turned his captivity. What's interesting is the Bible says that he got twice as much as he had before. Twice as much. Twice as much as he had before. And he was already the richest man in the East. The Bible says that he lived after this for 140 years. And God allowed him to see his great, great grandchildren. You know, when we talk about Job, you know what we usually talk about? We usually talk about his trouble. And I think that's where we get the comfort from. And that's, I guess, what the book is about in a lot of ways. It's about that, that behind-the-scenes spiritual thing, God's uh, providence and deliverance. But it's Job's trouble. <laughs> but of a truth, Job was a blessed person. He was the object. Job was the object of God's blessing. The beginning of his life, he was blessed. He had a hedge of protection around him. He was blessed. Best I can tell, Job's trouble lasted into the months, not a year. Into the months, several months. And then after that, for 140 years more, 
he was blessed. In other words, all of Job's life, he was a wonderfully blessed individual, except for a short amount of time of trouble and trials. But that trouble and trials mean so much to us. Again, that's the reason why we read the book. What if it was different? What if Job hadn't gone through the trouble? What if the book was like this? Here's a wonderful man who lived a perfect life, who never had any trouble, and he was blessed his whole way through. You know, what? We'd, when we read a book like that, we'd be like, I can't relate. <laughs> because that's not my life. I got troubles, right? I, you know, I can't relate to this guy, Job. Right? What we find comfort and help in is the what? The trouble. Do you know where Job's faith became like gold? Do you know where Job grew? Do you know where you and I grow? Do you know why you and I's life many times can be a help and a blessing to other people? It's not because we're so good and our life is so wonderful. It's sometimes through the troubles and trials that builds us and strengthens us and allows us to be a help and a blessing to others. <laughs> Ultimately, what was the greatest blessing in Job's life was not all the wealth that God gave him. It was not all the things that God gave him. But at the end of his life, when he had a greater understanding of God, he said, I heard of him, I thought I knew him, but then I saw him. Then I really got to know God. And it was then that I believe that was the blessing of Job's life. I truly believe. I, I think that that's the case like for, for Jacob as well. But Jacob was not a perfect individual and he had troubles, no doubt. But, but when Jacob was blessed in his life and he was very wealthy individual, we read in, in the book of Genesis where he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night. And what did he say? I won't let you go, Jacob said. I won't let you go unless you bless me. It was not a physical blessing at that point that Jacob was wanting. What did he want? He wanted a spiritual blessing. And he got it. He said, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your name from Jacob to what? Israel. What a blessing. What a blessing. To, a, to an individual like Esau, he'd be like, who cares? What, what, what matters with a name change? Esau to Israel doesn't make any difference. But to Jacob, it made all the difference. Hey, God changed my name. God blessed me with this spiritual blessing. I believe for us as Christians, followers of Christ, it's possible for us to plateau, to stop growing, where we, where we could... Uh, uh, have some unforgiveness in our heart where we could become very entrenched in our position so much so that we quit looking at God and, 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 and argue with others. Maybe family members, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. Not seeing God as bigger than all the ins and outs of just being religious or being righteous in our own eyes. But seeing God as bigger than that. Christian, you know what we as a church and as individuals we need to do? We need to make sure that we keep in our eyes on Christ. Keeping our eyes on Him. As we close, let me say this. Are you facing some captivity in your mind, as I brought up, in your heart, in your life? I would encourage you that we cannot find the deliverance that we need 
by looking inside of ourselves, by focusing on our problem. And again, I know that if you're here this morning and you have a big problem, you have big trouble, uh, that it is the natural thing to do. It's the hardest thing to do to not focus on that, but to focus on Him, or then to even focus on others. Maybe even others that we look and say, they don't have it as bad as I have it. But to be able to pray for them, to be able to focus on God. Let me say this, if you're here this morning and you've not received the salvation, would you come to Him today for salvation? Would you trust in Him? Would you believe in Him by faith that He died for our sins? That He was buried? That He rose again? And that His salvation, His life, and His resurrection can give us new life? Salvation. To be saved and, and born again. Maybe as a Christian, we're facing something or going through something that's painful, that's hard. A darkness, a storm, a trial. And, and it's all consuming your mind. It's what you think about as soon as you wake up. And it's what keeps you up at night before you go to sleep. It's consuming your mind. There's some verses in the New Testament I think of uh, in James. Where the Bible says, You've heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and tender of, and of tender mercy. Can I tell you, the Lord knows what you're going through. And, he's, and, he, and he, he has compassion. And, and, and the last chapter was the best chapter of the book of Job, was it not? The last chapter is the best chapter. And if you're here this morning, your last chapter has not been written yet. It's still being written. And God can reveal Himself to you and, and, and show you uh, Himself. And my goodness, this is the joy. You know what I find in the last chapter uh, of the book of Job? God calls Job multiple times. He says, my servant Job. What a blessing. What a blessing as the Lord would call Job, my servant Job. In the book of James also, the Bible says this. If, is any among you afflicted? And then he gives a simple statement. Let him pray. I know that sounds simple. Any afflicted? Anybody have captivity? Anybody going through some hardships in their lives? The, the Bible says, let him pray. You say, pray for myself? Well, yeah, pray for yourself, but maybe pray for others as we see Job and begin to pray for others. Boy, isn't it something? And I believe that, that, that I just believe that that gets the Lord's attention when his servant, my servant Job, is down there suffering and going through troubles, and then he turns his heart to pray for his friends. The Lord says, oh, boy, Job, that's well-pleasing to me. Why? Because it's Christ-like. Because it's like Christ. As we, as we close, I would ask you to make a decision. Maybe it's a decision for your salvation. Maybe it's a decision for uh, your relationship with your other friends. Maybe there's some things that you have going on with family members or friends. And, and both sides have become very entrenched in their position. And maybe in that argument, maybe in that dispute, boy, we've lost sight of God. And who he is. Maybe we would humble ourselves today and pray for them. Maybe, maybe again you're here and you're in need of salvation. Uh, I think the Lord would be gracious and merciful to save all who will. Your last chapter is being written just like Job's. Let it be this.
Let it be this in your last chapter when it's written, that you're right with God. And that you're right with others. That you're in the right relationship with Him. And because of your relationship with Him, you're able to forgive. You're able to pray for others who even despitefully use you. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. And feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.